Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 75, Turn Zero, Part 1. I am your host, Ed Horn, and alongside me tonight, one of my really good friends, Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how are you doing? Okay, how are you guys doing? Outstanding. And of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Ed. So if the show seems like we're a little bit on fast forward and in some brevity, there's a reason for it. We are recording a little bit early. Ed has a hard deadline stop date, and we're actually recording late and early. We're creating late on, we're actually recording on a Saturday and a Thursday, my fault, and we're recording early on a Saturday so that Ed can go and pick his son up. So this is all Ed's fault. So if you want to blame <laughs> anyone, it's this guy right here. Um, main topic tonight. So we had an email that we will read in its entirety. An email from Mike. So we're going to answer your question in a two-part minimum. Minimum. Pot- potentially a trilogy, Mike. This is what you're what's going to get to. But he asked what seemed like a very simple question on... I don't really know what to do with my ships whenever I put them down. They just kind of like put them down in a haphazard manner and... I just go with it. And what's the right, what are the right answers? What are the right solutions? And that's not exactly an easy question to answer. There is a genuine science to it. And we're going to try to break that down tonight, or at least parts of it. And of course, we've got our flight deck and stuff we've been doing. So let's go ahead and get through that one. Sean, I'm not sure if you have much of anything. You've had, um, you've had a run. I've had, so. I've, I've had a crappy, crappy three weeks, really. But, um, and I'm not openly going to talk about what, what's really been going on. but. I haven't done anything. I did buy on Humble Bundle the Steam Atari collection. Ooh. So it has, I think it's 20 or six or 20 arcade games and then like 100, 2600 style games. How much was that? So, so I'm excited about that, but I haven't had any time um, to play anything on that yet. But How much, how much was that? Nine, ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. See, I say that and I get excited. I'm like, oh, I should get that when I have a Raspberry Pi sitting upstairs that I play on a fairly regular basis. It has all that stuff on there, too. So yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just a sucker for old video games. Well, I'm kind of in this. So somehow, some way, when I'm one night over the last week, week and a half, I think I watched um, it was either on Netflix or Amazon or something where I watched about retro arcade games. So it was a mm. show about. I don't know. Anyway, so I grew up in in the age of the arcade. So for me, the arcade was new, not like new as in arcades hadn't existed before, but the arcade, you know, from the Pac-Man era, you know, that type of thing. Space Invaders forwards, 1980, probably, I'm going to say 80 to 83, 84 was my big arcade. I was terrible art arcade games but we had a place just literally not far from where i live now but it was just down the street from where i lived as a kid and it was called space city and it was one of those dark you know dark arcade games arcade uh, arcades that had buku games you know and and i remember just that little square in the mall that has like eight or ten cabinets like one of those like spans of multiple games kind of yeah but this place though was different where it was a it was a small building it was a standalone building but it literally was designed for this arcade in the middle you had where the i call it like the the skate you know when like when you go to uh 
or not ice skating, but a roller, roller skating, skating rink. Yeah. You have that guy that kind of sits there and does everything, hands all the stuff out and plays the music and does all that. That's kind of the way that it was designed. He was there and then they had hot dogs. They sold hot dogs for, you got hot dogs where they had like ketchup, mustard, onions, relish, probably pretzels too. And then, you know, pop, you got a, it's an all you can drink pop basically. And then the coolest thing about that place was you put a buck in the the token machine because, you know, you got tokens back then and it was, you got eight tokens for a dollar. And the only games that I remember ever being over the one token value were games like Dragon's Dragon's Lair, Space yeah, Ace. The, oh, yeah. You know, the, the Laserdisc games. Um, and then there was a couple like the bigger sit-down type games. You know, uh, I think if I, my recollection is correct, but probably way off, but um, you're looking at like Star Wars was a two-token game. Yeah. You know, but... But I remember walking into the arcade and you the first thing you're hit with isn't pictures or anything. It's sound. Everything is sound. So I remember one of the games that you'd walk in and you'd hear the, you know, hear the buzz of it was the game Defender. And so this show I watched brought up Defender and it like triggered something in my brain because now I really just want to play the retro arcade games, not the old 2600 games or, or, you know, like I never, I had the 2600 and then I had a Commodore Vic 20 first and then a 64, which were a totally different type of game than arcade games. You know, it was even getting all the way into that Amiga era and things like that in the early nineties, it was still a whole different arcade games and the feel of an arcade and being in an arcade and really sucking bad at, and, and if you recall, you know, remember, putting the quarter or your tokens up so that you're the next person in line. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know? That's like a, tr- like a universal tradition in all like uh, arcades and, yeah. and, pool, and pool halls. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, this place didn't have any pinball machines either. It wasn't like that type of arcade. Ooh. It was literally arcade machines. And I was looking it up about a couple of years ago. Cause, cause I had watched another thing a couple of years ago about, some type of it was like a, a national event or a world event, and one of them was in Omaha at Space City. Um, you know, where like the the players come to try to you know win world championships and things like that. One of them was here in Omaha at Space City, so that was pretty cool too. Um, but yeah, no, it's just so finding that was pretty cool. They have Dragon's Lair on Steam also. Um, so I'm really kind of looking for, I don't want like a raspberry, I don't want to try to figure that crap out. I just want it where I can just play it on my computer. You know, I have Buku monitors. I have two really good computers. I can play anything I want on. Um, I always, wanted, was, to, I always like, wanted to build one of those arcade cabinets. Like, that would I be always, so awesome. And then get the ROM for it. Yeah. And um, like have oh. every every arcade game you ever wanted to play. Like my personal favorite arcade game when I was a kid, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I remember playing uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, like the yeah, four-player game. That, and that yeah. was something really special to be able to have, like, you and three of your friends. I, we have a an amusement park here in uh, western Pennsylvania called Kennywood. And w- if it would rain at Kennywood, my friends and I would be sitting th- – because there's a Kennywood day. There's an official day during the school year that they send the kids down to the amusement park for a day. Um, and we would if it rained on a Kennywood day, we would just stand around that Ninja Turtle machine for hours. I have oh, yeah. so many fond memories of playing that game yeah that's the thing and the atari stuff that i bought the games of note are of course uh i think it has pac-man 
don't think Miss Pac-Man. Because uh, they don't have all the licenses for all that stuff anymore. Well, somebody does because they put it out. I mean, oh yeah, and then Atari they, has some of their own licenses. Like a lot of the games that they made, um, Breakout's one of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Adventure, things like that. Centipede, you know, those uh, yeah. uh, asteroids, those games. They still have the licenses because they were the main developers for those. Um, but some of the other ones like Namco, anything that came from Activision. Right, right, right. I'm talking like, about these are just the Atari games. So right. it comes with Centipede, Millipede, Tempest, which I used yep. to play uh, Tempest all the time. That's another one I forgot. Yeah, Tempest, um, Dig Dug, which I didn't know was an Atari game, but it comes which Dig Dug I played for just hours and hours and hours and still sucked at it, but played Still such forever. a good game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't remember like all the games that are on it, but it's because I haven't looked at it that in depth. But it's just like, you know, seeing that and then being able to play on my game thing that I bought. I bought a controller so that I could play games and stuff with. And so do you have like <laughs> like controller, like Xbox controller uh... or do you have like one of those like arcade? Ta- uh I don't have the arcade control. I got to see if I can find it. It might not be on my desk. I right on my desk is just buried in crap. Here it is. A lot, a lot of my friends in like the retro community, like the ones that I talked to, the Pittsburgh uh, retro community. So, so that's um, the one that I have. Yeah, you've got an Xbox screen. You literally got the exact same control that I have. Yeah, it's just this one isn't an like an Xbox, Xbox where you, you could push the... Oh, I guess you can. Yeah, I'm you sure can. Video. What's that? <laughs> I'm not recording the video. I know, this is between <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. This is between yeah. us, Chris. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I gotta, I got, got there's it. a good conversation to be had on playing a arcade style game on a gamepad controller versus playing it on a joystick controller. Oh. Well, it's also different than playing it on a game case controller, you know, because those were way different. You know, the joysticks and the buttons, you know, were different types of buttons yep. and you know, if you remember the game Track and Field, you know, yes, they had exactly. to go through thousands of buttons in that game because it was all just, you know, pitter pattering those buttons or beating the shit out of those buttons and then hitting the jump button when you had to and stuff like that. So, yep. so anyway, that's that's been yep. the closest thing to anything gaming that I've done. That's um, yeah, it's a that's a list of one of my lifetime lifelong dreams is to own a cabinet machine. Um, you could do it with a Raspberry Pi at this juncture. Like I remember back in the day, like probably in the, the early two thousands, there were a lot of people that were doing like the main machines where they'd take like a, a full tower and they'd put it in the cabinet. You yeah. don't even need that anymore for those old classic ones. You could do that right off a of Raspberry Pi three, Raspberry Pi four. And the computer's literally the size of your hand, uh, that's doing all the computing. It, the, the catch is getting all of those buttons and building the cabinet itself. And the, the, there's a project yeah. that the question comes is where the hell do I put it? <laughs> yeah. It, and the other thing too, that would be nice is you get, you know, flat screen monitors now. Yep. So everything will be crystal clear compared to the, you know, curved TV tube monitors that they had way back when, which would definitely increase the, the, you know, the way that the game plays. But mostly what I'm looking for are just titles that I can play on my computer but I don't have to go to shady sites and download, you know, steam is great. Right. Um, you know, I would love to just be able to do it straight away on my computer and then, you know, just have fun playing old video games that I sucked at back then that I suck at today. And 
I'm getting ready to build a pie for my dad. Uh, I, I I showed him what I had done with mine because he had made some sort of mention of like, man, I can't even like he was talking about Star Master. Star Master was one of his favorite games from the Atari 2600. And I'm like, dad, for like 50 bucks, I could build you a pie three that has every game ever made for the Atari 2600. He's like, oh, man, I want one of those. So <laughs> I'm waiting for stuff to come in, but I will build him one. Let and the upside- Let me see if it's on that list. Let me. It's an Activision game, so I doubt it. Um, there are some Activision games in this oh, because maybe. because of the way that the licensing went through Atari, some active like games that were Activision games um, ended up being Atari licenses at the end. Oh, maybe. But my it, point, my point though, of course, is that when I told him about that, I'm like, for fifty bucks, I can get you every one that was ever made. He's like, oh, I've got to have that. So everything's on its way in, um, and I'll have that built for him probably by the end of the week. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's a cool. It's a cool project because I'm a geek and a nerd and a gamer, and I, it's a really cool kind of tech project. I mean, legitimately, after I set mine up and I got it up and running and it was stable, I've never had to touch it since. Yeah, it yeah. just fires up and it goes. It's called the Atari Vault. Oh, now I'm going to have to look this up after. Yeah, because nothing nothing stings worse than paying you know double prices and keep buying old games in multiple different formats. That'd oh yeah, neat. yeah. I'm trying to see if there's a list of all the games. Sure, there is somewhere, but yeah, no, it's it's really. Oh, here we go. Full list of games. What was the game your dad wanted to play? Our Master. Nope, it's not on there. Yeah, I think I thought that was an Activision exclusive. That, that's fine. Because yeah. again, I'm just going to put it on his pie for him, and legitimately, that's probably the only game he's going to play anyway. So I'm I'm going to try to actually go the extra step and do a Star Master theme for right. the for the. Um, RetroPie uh, OS for it, so that'll be that'll be fun. I've already got some pictures lined up for it, and it'll be fun. Yeah, there's six games that I absolutely want, though six arcade games. Um, the biggest one being 1942. Oh God, such a great game! You're gonna have to like you might have to actually spin one of your. You can do it because you can put a. It'll probably put a bezel there, but you're not gonna get the full experience until you like tilt the monitor because that game specifically was the long was the yeah the, yeah the it was the vertical. End. Yep. Yeah, the vertical game. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut up now. Even I said mine would be the shortest, and it's probably going to end up being the longest. So, <laughs> uh, Chris, how about you? What have you been doing lately? Um, some painting, some D and D. Um, I actually opened up all of the X-wing product that I've bought, and I've put it in my cabinet now. So I have no sealed product in the house anymore. Ooh, I saw a picture on Instagram that had some stuff on there. I did not see the Imperial one. I didn't see Vader in that picture. Sky Strikes delayed in Canada. Um, Oh, that explains why. It's not in Canada, so I don't have any. So I've got to get that. I think I need to pick up Need. I want to pick up another IRB because I bought two and I must have returned one to the store just because we didn't have any left. And I was like, well, I'm not going to use it right away. So I, like, kind-heartedly returned it, and someone else must have bought it now. Damn it. So, it'll take, well, like I said, it's taken me a year, practically, to open them. So, uh, But, yeah, everything's opened. I'm going to go through all my cardboard at some point this weekend and organize it into my other dividers. But all my cabinet here is all done. So. Refill, refill back up with X-Wing stuff. Yeah. I had to rejig it, so the stuff that was on the top shelf was non-X-Wing related. But Scum have actually expanded onto two shelves <gasps> because they've got so many large base ships. Yeah. Just like... They do have a wealth of them, don't they? Yeah. 
Oh, oh, it's good. I'm enjoying it. It was a, an, a pleasant day. I need to need to get that done so that I can get on with a bunch of other projects that I want to do. Um, one of my friends, Mark, is an electrician, came around today as well and helped me route all of the cabling for the two TVs into a wall. So I've got like cable runs, so all the, the wiring's hidden now. Oh, nice cable management. Gotta love that. Yeah, that was good. So Mike, did, Mike did a good job. But it is his job, so to be expected. <laughs> and uh, yeah, didn't even talk to me about flying Gurry endlessly for like the two hours he was here working. <laughs> that uh, it? Yours yeah, is that? No. Yours is that short? I think mine might yeah. even be longer than yours. I mean, I can talk about um, the Neptune's Pride game because that's finished now. Oh, it is officially over. Uh, yeah, we all conceded. I thought all someone. I thought one person hung in there, didn't they? Um, so or did I, or did I misinterpret UK that? People we were playing. Um, I think it was Mike and Patrick obviously conceded last because they would have had the time delay being in the UK. Um, but yeah, everyone conceded. So I won with 101 stars. Woo! Um, it was a definitely undeserved or un- unearned victory because... I RNG'd into stupendously good luck. And in spite of my trying to impose socialism on the galaxy and trying to have, you know, equality, people just kept voting against me and then attacking me. So they they had to go. They asked for it. Yeah. I mean, I was playing the the Tau in 40K. So we were acting for the greater good. And I, but it's, it's the greater good is served by exterminating all of you now when there's only 50 of you, instead of next week when there's 100 of you. Right. I mean, so, so we're, we're killing way what, less. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense to me. I mean, that's how I would choose to commit genocide in a video game. Um, <laughs> you know? But Thanks for the caveat of in a video game. I appreciate that. But oh. you did start up another game, and guess what? Ed's in this one. He got in on this one. And there's two spots left, I believe. Oh, I haven't currently. shared it in the general chat yet, so I'll, I'll do that after this show's done. But if you're listening to it in your Patreon so you get it early, you might be able to jump in that game if you're not already. Or you might have loads of time because we're at like 10 players and just waiting for the last two. So I don't know. So you made some changes, and I, I, I'm curious to see how this one specific change, I'm curious to see how it works in this game, which is the two ticks per day. Yeah, that because that, does it have um, travel time too? Um, I th- I believe so because it's just everything that would happen in an hour happens in thirty minutes now. Right, so that's I what believe. I thought. And the game plays twice as fast. So that was uh, again no no knock on Alan. We did give that 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 zombie one to try, but that was one of my huge like if you missed six or seven hours because you know you went to work or you slept you missed so much that it happened because that game is an hour by hour thing i don't think it's gonna be so bad with um neptune's pride depends on when the day when the 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 game kicks off if it kicks off at like 3 a.m my time and i only get one tick in the waking hours that's gonna kind of suck but i can also see that for the 3 a.m and you only get in no ticks in the waking hours right right i was just gonna say for our uk friends it'd be the same problem where they wake up and they're getting zero ticks during their waking hours during the time so that's the only caveat to that 
So we'll see. I think it's going to be fine. Um, I am. I did ask Chris for advice. I'm fairly certain he's given me all the wrong advice um, because I, this. I told you not to spend all of your money upgrading one star. Yeah. That's not bad advice. That is hundred percent accurate. I didn't think that it was bad advice. It sounded pretty solid to me, but like when I'm looking, just going down the leaderboard, I can tell that there are plenty of people who did. Like there are plenty of people that said I'm making a Death Star homeworld to start off with. Like, uh, okay. I've not looked. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check now, aren't I? Uh-huh. Cause you can tell some people haven't done anything. That's fine. I totally get that. Some people have already pre-spent all of their all of their money, and you can tell because someone's got twenty economy, someone's got like seven science, like some like there has been money, like it's all gone on some of these. Like what is so my point is, I think I'm somewhere in the middle in that range, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I've spent a decent chunk of mine, but I didn't spend all of it. Yeah, I spent a decent chunk. I did not spend all of it because the first planet you go to, you're going to want to upgrade. Like because you're in one world, like you don't have the five base worlds, so it's going to take you a little bit to build those worlds up to where they should have been if we just started off on that. Twenty economy, twenty economy, mega bucks county. Every tick, every tick, he's going to be. It's only two hundred, but yeah, two hundred plus seventy-five. If he. if he dumps all of his, if he dumps all of his science in the two days it's going to take him to do it, um, he can have an economy up. He can outrun us in economy. Uh, so surely you do. So it will take him twenty four hours to research banking if he starts on banking with three science. Yeah, all right, that's fair. There's twice as many ticks. So. That's fair. That's fair. So is a tick an hour? Ticks a no. day. Normally it's a day. Well, no, it takes a day, twenty four hours. You shortened it to twelve hours. Yeah. So yeah. you have you have so one one tick is twelve hours. Yeah. So is that when you like get all of your economy so in the, to be able the, to build stuff? It's weird. The, the how to describe it? So your, your economy checks in. Ships are produced every hour. Research points for science are produced every hour, and then. You get a payout from your economy, from your banking technology, and from your experimentation once every 24 hours. So then so he, ha- he There's 24 that. ticks in a day, gotcha. but now there's 48. 48 ticks in a day. So instead, planets are producing ships every 30 minutes, uh, you're adding to science every 30 minutes, and then you're getting a payout from your economy and your um experimentation twice a day every every 12 hours i assume that that happens maybe it still only does it 24 i have no idea i've not played this before like is this a game where we get the settings right who can say the the thing i'm looking forward to though uh, this is the first game we've played in a while where you can only trade technology within scanning range yeah. So if you don't, you and because Chris is getting tired of getting beat by people he can't even reach to give payback to. Like, oh, you're gonna give them weapons, are oh, you? Me getting beat? I crushed all before me in so, my humanitarian efforts. So, in my experience, I've played a game similar to this, except it's a gigantic game. Um, it's called Astro Empires. It's literally an MMORPG type game exactly like this, except everything's real time. So what they do is when they start a server, the server is basically a galaxy. And there'll be, let's just say, um, there'll be a map with 
I don't know how many squares, however many squares it is, probably 256 squares within a map. Some squares have systems, some don't. When you go to the systems, sometimes the systems are just stars. Some have moons, some have planets, planets with moons. It's really, it's exactly what you're describing, except for on a grand scale. And that game where Ed was talking about being there at the right time to do everything that you had to do, Astro Empires is the exact same game because when a server opens up, it'll start with the Alpha Quadrant. And then when that fills up, it goes to Bravo Quadrant. And then Charlie or Delta Quadrant, you'll be okay. Yeah. 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 You know, but the Delta Quadrant. This literally keeps going as long as people keep joining that server. And the funny thing is, is that for you to be able to get to Alpha to Bravo or Alpha to any others, you have to build your technology out to where you have Stargates. And the first time I ever played it was on the SETI server. And I was in Bravo, Bravo sector, whatever you want to call it. And I was in a guild that had like 200 people. And we all planned to attack a guy somewhere up in the higher quadrants. And we were attacking another guild up there. And I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning because that's when all my ships arrived there. And I had mostly destroyers, a few battleships and a few other ships that if I didn't do what I was going to do on time, everybody else was going to die because mine was the rush force to take down all his planetary defenses and to completely crush all his small ships so that everybody else would throw all of their stuff at their big stuff and just wipe this guy out. He was the biggest one. And it, it sounds exactly the same, just on a different, yeah, different it's, scale. Uh, yeah, much smaller scale. Like the, If there were an improvement to Neptune's Pride that I would recommend, it would be having different types of ships. Like you could have... You know, scout ships that are faster, that got there in yep. like a half the time or a quarter of the time. Or you can build like heavy battle cruisers that were slower, but they're... they're that's um, exactly, if you want to play... Yeah. That takes yeah, the game the... away, though. So the thing that a lot of people miss is the actual game is not not good. Right. Like the There is some fun stuff you can do once combat starts, but the mechanics of the game isn't what the game's about. It's the interactions between the players. Players, right. So the, the more you agree. add mechanics to a game, the more yeah. you take away from that because you can win without interacting by making the correct. Yeah, action. that's true. Like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And you're when probably you're doing right. it, when you're doing it on small scale like that, that's the whole goal is the community. You know, the the people interacting. You know, well, it's uh, this would sound like this last game was like that. There was like se- there was like a week and a half of just nothing but role play because nobody was attacking anybody. So that's all it was were these backdoor deals and politics and stuff. And I'm like, that's why I'm really sorry I missed that game because that would have been a lot of fun to do. I'm curious if this game with more people, with twelve people and less stars needed to win the game, kind of works out the same way. I'm we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's where you you keep playing it and testing it until you find yeah. the perfect primer to start with. Yeah, we found that the symmetrical galaxies were not our thing. <laughs> they did not oh, work out. Oh, uh, they did find the setup that I thought I'd made, where it was the rings in a in a ring, but it's just not good. So this one should be better. Okay, well that works. Uh, Chad just got home, so we might jump on. Maybe. We might jump on. Cool. All right, well, I'll get into mine and see if he does actually jump in. Uh, I do have one other thing, sorry. Um, oh, sure, go ahead. Uh, Bruno messaged me to uh, see Ooh. if I wanted to record another um, McBluff thing, which is his 
Millennium Condor Baladus Fission and Lack of Focus combined just as talking about X-Wing. So I did record on Friday as well. So he he posted the video link for that on the Dice Facebook page. Generally, I post them on the Patreon page. Um, So there'll be an audio version going up at some point this weekend. And it's available for people to just listen to. You don't have to be a patron, but you can listen to me talk about I think uh, the topic was um, the... Uh, X-Wing article I wrote for Sentry Box. I wrote about why you should fly fighter sprays. So, one for Sean. There uh, you go. <laughs> three different fighter spray lists. One for Separatists and two for Scum. Gotcha. Ooh. Still love the fire sprays. That's why I can't wait to, for my life to just settle down to the point where I can sit down with my son and just start getting chewed up by his his uh, his ability to play much better than mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the man, the myth, the legend himself has joined us. What, Mr. Chad Brown? Chad, how's it going, man? Oh, not too bad. How's everybody doing? Good. And give you your proper introduction, my partner in crime and gaming. We're just in the uh. <laughs> we're in the middle of our flight decks. We're just talking about what we've been doing lately in gaming. So since you're jumping in, you've decided to play catchball. What have you been up to lately? Um, working a lot. Um, painting some minis. Uh, I found Walmart sells some interesting color shift paint, so I decided to do one of my uh, chameleons for Blood Bowl in a color shift Ooh, uh, is paint it scheme. La- latex based or is it oil based? Um, it's the, the the latex, the like little bottles, like I always oh, buy that, from Walmart. That's awesome. So he's like a green, and it does a color shift between like green and yellowish kind of color. Oh, that's cool. Um, other than that, uh, I've been playing D and D and laughing at Ed because he missed out on the last Neptune's pride game. And <laughs> we I just just finished, amusing. we literally just finished that conversation. So that game has ended. A new one has started. I've got in on the next one, so I'm not going to miss out on all the fun of this one. He did. I thought that game was going to take forever. Oh, we all just abandoned it. We all yeah, just, they, oh, well, I was having fun laughing knew, at Ed for missing it. They knew how long it was going to take to finish that game. Yeah, I was at 101 worlds, and I need to get 149. The next closest person to me was 150. No, sorry, was 50. So I had a 51 world lead. I was producing mm. twice as many ships as the next closest person. Uh, it was over, but the travel distance between stars meant mm-hmm. that for every world I was going to take was going to take me like a day. So. Oh. I can take maybe three or four worlds a day. Do you feel that that was the main contributing factor for dragging that game out was the distance? Um, Distance. So so if we played normally, I would have already won because I changed the win condition to 66% instead of 50. Um, And I stalled the game out to give everyone a chance to actually get established for the people who had terrible starting positions by trying to get everyone to donate money to the lesser races <laughs> you could say you won the game the lesser races <laughs> yeah, that makes in me a, sad now video, because i was in a video game on edge. yeah well yeah. I'm, I'm in the next one now if you want to feel less Ooh. sad if you want to feel less sad you can join the current game there's two slots open and then you can actually make fun of me in the game just saying, oh no time. man that game's slow that's my only problem it with it it's a super slow game uh, but it's the, for me, I, I, I don't disagree. That is a, that is an accurate statement. It is a slow game. Ch- uh, Chris did speed this one up. 
a hair, so it goes uh, twice as fast as it was doing the la- in previous games. And I don't know, like, like there's there's something enjoyable about that kind of slow burn and all the politics and all the the, the conversations with the players in the background. We were just talking about this a minute ago, so you missed all this, but that's the real fun of of Neptune's Pride. It is the game itself mechanically isn't super complicated. It's not very yeah. like it's not graphics rich. It's not. It's all of the the negotiations. Like, ooh, I need weapons before Red attacks me, so I'm gonna try to make a backdoor deal with his partner Green to see if I can get weapons off of him just at the moment when he arrives at my planet, so that I can actually do more damage. Like, it's that kind of stuff that's really a ton of fun with it. Yeah, it's not you betrayal. Need- it's not betrayal like on that level of where I totally killed you and that other guy in Starcraft. You know, at the last second. Yeah, and- at the last second where you park ghosts in our back, but uh, right in t- our entire economy. And then, oh, neat! Yeah. Why isn't the game over? Why am I hearing nukes going off? Where's there a ghost? We lose. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Chris. I won. <laughs> there was three of us. It was an eight-person game. Three of us, and we all gathered together at the very last building. And we were setting off our nukes and getting everything ready to just annihilate this one building all at the same time. And just before everything hit, I unallied with both of them. I was playing Protoss, and I had a whole fleet of carriers in each one of their bases, and guys set up to drop nukes on them. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What Chad didn't mention was the fact that that was a five computer on three player. It took us three hours, three and a half hours to play that game. Yeah, they were all on hard. Yeah, so like we like we were we were trying to challenge ourselves as much as possible, and just as that that sweet taste of we finally finally beat five computers on hard, Chad ruins and kills us all. I won. You, we were supposed to win anyway. Um, that that is an old face of shock and surprise on my face. Yeah, that that's an old <laughs> fight that I am not getting back into. <laughs> Anything else you were doing in gaming, by the way, uh, Chad? I don't want to cut you off on that. Um, unfortunately, due to some issues, our uh, Blood Bowl League did um, yeah. end abruptly. So so does Logan win by default? Um, I don't really think anybody technically wins by default because we didn't even play all the games. Oh. But if oh, you were not, to not, declare a like, winner, it would have been Logan, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's not like Premier League where the season ends and then all of a sudden you win. <laughs> There's no playoff. <laughs> I think I think we got four games in. Logan Aww. was four and zero. I was two and two. Um, and the other two guys were zero three and one. Well, so here's the upside: Pennsylvania is reporting fifty percent um, vaccination. It seems like we're on a path to seventy five percent by June. And if that's the case, that's going to be that's like my threshold. That's my magic number. If we can get to seventy five percent and COVID cases of kind of come down to almost nil at least in our area that's that's my magic number it's the only like i don't want to go through a situation of having to deal with two type 1 diabetics potentially getting covid that that's the only thing keeping me indoors so we get to that magic number i've got my skaven back here i toss him on the paint table i'm ready to go sure <laughs> i'm gonna have to go out and buy another goddamn team just so i can get the stupid <laughs> gutter runners <laughs> that's all i need i, I- was I played against Skaven, and I I kicked their teeth in. You didn't play against me. Just throwing that out there. Not <laughs> not that I'm knocking Scott. I love Scott to death. Uh, you didn't play me. <laughs> I know how to play okay. your Lizardman. I've played your Lizardman a hundred times. I know how to make it at least a close game. God, uh-huh. stupid Sauruses. Strength four, base. No but, penalty. 
<laughs> so what if like, you now I have chameleons? Yeah, that's the other catch. So, like, there's a part of me that wants to buy that book for Blood Bowl for the 2020, but I don't know if there's going to be a 2021. Like, I know there's, like, a third edition, a new edition of Blood Bowl coming out, and I don't want to see... You don't seasons. Well, I don't... My understanding was that they were going to be shaking up, like, the entire game. Like, how things were going to be working in the entire game. Now, I don't know if that was just in reference to the digital Blood Bowl 3 game that's coming out, or if that was specifically the tabletop, but I can't imagine they wouldn't be in conjunction with the two. There were some new rules tabletop. You broke up there for a second. You want to repeat that? Oh, uh, there was some changes made for the tabletop version. Um, some like end game stuff and, you know, pregame stuff. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even this. A lot of this was like mechanics wise, like having the pass no. skill was, did something different than just, giving you a reroll. It did something else. I'm going to have to dig those. Yeah, they did change a couple of those things. They gave things new names. So, like... Yeah, and I know that they adjusted the rosters. Like, you've got that chameleon sink. I'm curious to see what the Skaven got that was something different, because I I know that roster fairly well. But anyway, so... If another Blood Bowl League were to start up in a time frame that is in a damn near post-COVID world, I would be there, because I need to do that. And Logan will be happy to kick your teeth in. Uh, well, him I can't beat. As in, as in most things, him I can't beat. Evil genius for a reason. Yep. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to button mine up real quick as far as my flight deck, because I do have a hard stop. That's something you might not know, Chad. Uh, I do have a hard stop at 1030. So... Yeah, uh, you can walk home. Yeah. It's only New Stanton, right? It's not that far. Anyway, yeah, it's not that bad. So, uh, I finished up my uh, Alien RPG game. That actually was really, really fun. There was a really interesting twist at the end. I don't want to spoil it because most of the people I want to run it with are in this conversation right now. So, uh, needless to say, I really had a good time. I do want to give a shout out to Larry, uh, who was kind enough to DM it for us. Um, I made two really cool friends, Sebastian, who works uh, IT in Amsterdam, and Dax, who works IT in uh, Australia. Uh, We've become friends on Discord. We've become friends on... Oh, we lost Chad. Uh, Became friends on uh, Steam as well. Whenever Aliens Fireteam comes out, I want to kind of draft them into my group of people I want to play Aliens Fireteam with. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Had a good time. Um, Then I got to read the module, and... I appreciate everything that Larry did. It it worked out fine. The the game was fun. I had a good time. But then I read the module and there's some pieces to it that are different than the way that was run. I understand the reasons why he made his choices. I don't know if I would run it in the same manner that he did. But that's not bad or good. It's just different. And it's interesting because I think that was, I guess, fifth or sixth time running that module. So you can tell the experience he's had over the times of doing that. And clearly groups went in one direction. So he felt the need to adjust for that. And I don't know if our group's going to do that or not. We'll see. And then Chris talked me into paying scalper prices for two Necron Doomstalkers because I found them for... (laughs) Not nearly as much scalping. Like, all right, first of all, they're $40 models. They're $40 from Games Workshop. And I get that they're in COVID and they have been out of stock. Like, they had one run and they have been out of stock on the Games Workshop website, I don't know, for six months. So every time I see them pop up on eBay, they're like $60, $70. Somebody's selling them for $80. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not paying those prices for two models. I found one guy who put two of them up brand new in the box at $50. 
which is $10 over MSRP, and I bit the bullet and I bought them because 20 bucks doesn't necessarily sting as much as like 40 or $50 over MSRP for those. Um, so I have them. Uh, I built, uh, they, they came in the mail on Thursday. I built them last night. I based them. They're sitting there. The, the white glue is drying as I've got all my basing. My intent is assuming that it's not raining tomorrow and the humidity is okay is I'm going to prime them and I'm going to get back on the painting table. I've got everything out that I need to build for my entire 2000 point <laughs> army. I intend to have it finished. So yeah. I only took I, how many years? I know. I know. I'm not, I get, I get my spurts. It would be different. It would be very, very different if we were playing 40 K in the store every single, every single week. If I were paying 40 K in the store every single week and I was taking my stuff there, I'd be embarrassed to not show up with painted models. I've reached that point. This is the same person who was no problem showing up with gray plastic on the table. Now I want to show up with a fully painted army. So yeah. So the guy who didn't paint his space Marines so that they could be space Marines this week and space wolves next week. No, no, no. I, no, no, no. That's not true. I painted them a generic space, a generic theme oh. so that they could be blood angels or dark angels or, or, blo- or, or space, space wolves, wolves or, yeah. or, or an ultramarines. Hey, it's not my fault that the fluff accounts for that. That's, I'm just saying. And then I've got to paint my Primaris and I've already known what I want to do a different paint scheme because I'm an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. There's something. Nope, no argument here. <laughs> The right answer for me is I should just paint them in the same scheme. But there's just something about the lore that I think was kind of... This is me getting old, obviously, because it's not competitive in any way, shape, or form. Something about the lore, about the idea of my firstborn Marines don't trust the Primaris. They don't trust Belisarius Cole, and they don't want Primaris reinforcements. So if I'm going to have Primaris, since I, they came in the damn box for Indominus, then I should have them as their own chapter. And they're going to kind of go in conjuncture with the Sisters of Battle army at some point in time. And the two of them are going to be more buddy-buddy. And they're just like, I'm gonna, so like when the two of them are fighting on the table against each other, it'll make sense. Anyway, um, so yeah, so yeah. I've been painting, or not painting, I've been building and basing models. And obviously we had a D&D on Monday. That's it. That's all I've been doing. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. <laughs> All right. So we have a bit of news we want to get into before we get into the main topic on this one. Something really interesting happened in the last couple of days with what used to be the Final Fantasy Flight Games Game Center. Um, Chris, I don't know if there was an official article on this that came yeah, out. Yeah, there, there was. There was one off the Asthma Day and Fantasy Flight put it on the Fantasy Flight games site if you check the facebook group i literally posted it as you were asking oh i totally missed it okay so there you get that producer extraordinaire i hear I the words were coming, see how fast he is it's like it's almost trying to put a script in front of my face which is good so yeah um so they sold the game center back to the original person who owned um fantasy flight games christian peterson yeah interesting so it is no longer under control of Fantasy Flight Games, which I think is... All right, so there's a lot to that I'm trying to unpack. First of all, isn't that still part of some of their offices? Like, if I remember correctly, and I'm trying to remember the layout of the building, wasn't one of their warehouses in that building? Like, I remember Wade whenever he was going so, down... Yeah, I was going to say, so maybe... if you... The front entrance of the building to the left was one of their storage areas, and then in the back side of that is a warehouse. That was part of part of I don't know what you call it, but like their their local shipping stuff or something like that or what they sent out to 
Um, Remember, Asmodee bought the other half of the parking lot, effectively. Correct. All of the warizing was over there. A lot of the OP stuff moved over there. Yeah. Um, Now, obviously, the studios, a lot of it have been moved out. So, yeah. This solidifies the gutting of FFG to me. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I was getting at. So, like, they moved all of Asmodee went into the other side of the building. And FFG was kind of left with that, and now they don't have that anymore. So where the hell is FFG now? I don't know. It, it to me, it sounds like first I'm of all, there are uh, entrances further along. So I'm yeah, sure if, if, if you recall, when yeah, you were going up the ramp, way. when you, when you went up the ramp towards the front door of the game center, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there were doors there. That's where like some of the warehousing. Remember when you were walking up when you were there, you'd look inside and say. There's a whole pallet of Millennium Falcons. I want one now, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of that was, you know, I don't know what 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 that distribution side was. When I was there in uh, one of the years I was there, 14, I think, 16 maybe, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the set up their stuff that's yeah uh, something like that early on they would put their they would put their stuff to the off the right far right door kind of where we set up our area for our live podcast was done there yeah um but if you went into the event center in the far far if you went to the far side and then all the way to the left up there you would see that they that was a door that went back into the warehouse so their warehouse at least back then that was part of you know that area but Chris is right. I'm guessing once Asmodee took over, they moved all that to the other side of the street or other side of the parking oh, lot. Yeah. Down the down the dangerous drop off there and probably put all that in there. And then the Fantasy Flight Studios, and this is just a guess, were probably still on the game center side. I'd expect so. And um, then given the reduction in staff that they've had, I imagine it a lot of it was sitting empty. And with COVID, it was I would expect that Christian Peterson did well on this deal i'm gonna bet so and and it was probably i think to the point since i don't know and i threw this out earlier when we were talking in our chat but i don't know what lcgs are left out there i know that there's still what's the one game Uh, keyforge is keyforge Uh, arkham horror lcg but is arkham horror a competitive No, no I'm talking about the competitive ones. Is the Game of Thrones? Do they still have Game of Thrones license? It's a complete game. L5R is complete in two releases. Um, That's finished. Yeah, they're shutting down LCG. And and by complete, you mean like there's no more releases coming? Done. Done. Yeah, just just like Android Netrunner, Star Wars, and all those really good games were. They're shutting them down. Um, With that said, there really wasn't much left that you could do at. Yeah, in in Roseville because they moved X Wing out west, oh. and my guess would be if you're going to have an X Wing Worlds, you're going to do it there at those near those studios. Like you, they they moved it out of the center anyway, so my guess now right. would be that right. Worlds would be tied into some bigger event. So like, right, Gen Con will become Worlds or something weird like that. Yeah, That's or, or you'll have like that. Pax Pax whatever it is Pax in Seattle. Yeah might take it over if they have the space that that so, really hits hard to be honest. like so oh, I- i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out there because i know this is where you're gonna go with it i think <laughs> this is the best thing to keep the thing alive yeah otherwise it's dead 
you know, they they let go the guy that was in charge of it, you know, a year, year and a half ago that did a really good job. Um, and we know about the, the rest of the staff and everybody else, you know, what they've done at Fantasy Flight to the point where what's the point of a game center? You know, that's your retail space. Yep. Do you mm-hmm. need a retail space? You know, if you're Asmodee looking at this as a business plan, this is now just a game store and event. Yeah, it, it should always have been a loss leader anyway, the game center. Right. It shouldn't, right. it, which we, if the game center paid for itself, I would have been awfully surprised. Right. No, and I agree with that. I understand. When, when, when Worlds was there, I believe that it did barely, like just Worlds kept it afloat, you know? Mm-hmm. Really, Fantasy Flight kept it afloat. Worlds is the one that made it solvent Mm -hmm. but if you're not doing something like that there you're just like any other game store your your foot traffic is your survival at that point and there's no foot traffic to that building no not to that destination but the thing i wanted the reason i wanted to do this as a topic is because we were going to do our ffg con now we can't it doesn't exist anymore now well, we, we have to do our Game Center con. Game Center, yes. It's yeah, game. I was going to say, because Christian Peterson's still keeping the doors open. It's not, yeah, it's no, the building it, itself is still, still there. It's still on. We're still going there. Sean has to now eat a ham and cheese instead of a, a cheese and ham or whatever it is. They changed the menu. Door. We're protesting. <laughs> they did. No, it actually, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, no. Yeah, they oh. actually changed it. I'm trying to see if, did they take poutine off of it too? Oh, uh, yeah, fried taters, Lord of the Rings, onion ring, or Lord of the onion rings, dragon wings, chili cheese fries. The gaffer's oh, poutine. No, gaffer's poutine, yeah. All right, so like I get that. First of all, I've stood on two different sides of this argument, and I totally, I, I totally recognize the hypocrisy in this one. I had already mentioned this is pre-COVID times that if they wanted to expand worlds, they needed to move out of that building because they were genuinely limiting themselves on the capacity that they could hold an event by holding it there. Great, great facility. Fantastic. And a lot of wonderful memories there with a lot of wonderful friends who used to work there at that time. But if they were going to expand worlds, they needed to go bigger. But not having it there in your back pocket now? Like, I don't know. It just genuinely feels like FFG is slowly, like, these are like the death throes of that that IP now. Well, I'm going to throw something out there. So... What did what did Christian Peterson just do? He bought an anchor, right? He bought mm-hmm. a store that's an anchor in that complex. If FFG moves out of that complex, Christian Peterson can buy out the rest or rent the rest of that. And lo and behold, he is a game designer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I see the writing on the wall. I see where yeah. he's going for and what he's doing. And like Chris is probably right. He probably got a fantastic deal on that building. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Sure. And uh, I, I do wish him well. I mean, I, I wish he invented one of the coolest games. That, well, yeah, he invented one of the coolest games that I've, I've, I've played. I wish him well. I hope he does something. Did really you cool. know that on the sec- Sunday, May 2nd, you can learn to play Twilight Imperium with Christian Peterson for free in the Game Center main room at yep. 4 p.m., 12 p.m. till 4 p.m.? You go <laughs> down and learn to get him to teach you to play the game. I wish I were local. I'd do that. See, and I think. I think what you're going to see here is like my dream. You know, if you were ever going to, if I were ever going to open a store myself, not with other people or with people that I could trust and, you know, enjoy time with is that you make this, the event center and have events, like not, more than, not more than once a year. I, like every- I that he's doing the, the dream of making a big pile of money running yeah. a game store 
by taking a huge pile of money and yeah. shrinking it down. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Right. He he made out from uh, anecdotally, he made out well enough when he when well, they sold FFG and merged, and then when he left, when and they all bought the him out. Yeah. All, right. yep. So the, there's one side of me is like that. It must hurt seeing it this happen and being able to just no no this is mine you you can't take this away and yeah. having that kind of thing and like just keeping it running and if I, I i don't know i don't a lot of it is supposition and like not based in any factual what thing but i have a lot of respect for the man and so do i absolutely i, I, I don't 100 hold lack of focus game game center con Oh, absolutely. I, I am absolutely. I would too. I would too. I have no problem with that. See, and, and that's <laughs> the other thing that I'm going to throw this out there from my former life in gaming and stuff, but I want to point this out is that this just got announced this week and you're already seeing three events on their event page. So yeah. Marvel champions, um, community get together and brawl. A learn to play Twilight Imperior with the designer on the second, and then on the eleventh, Marvel Champions get together and brawl. So you're already putting something together. I know that I saw a post from a certain former OP friend of ours that he'll be running events, you know, leagues and stuff there too um, with X-wing. So we know that that's in the works. So when you're looking at the big picture here, you're going back to the roots of this place again. <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly, like, you know, Chris is absolutely right. I think you tear the heart and soul out of somebody and that person has a, has a chance to redo it, recreate it even better because he had how many years to learn now, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you have a big pile of money, you can do a lot more with a place like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that game center place is a great place to hold magic tournaments, to hold or the event center, the event center part of it is a great place to hold magic tournaments, to hold other card tournaments, Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know what the other ones are. Pokemon. 40K. <laughs> he could do 40K tournaments. He could do a he nice do 40K big, tournaments. Nice big 40K Remember the nice event. tables they had there for yes, that stuff? Yes. Yeah. You know. I just hope that it does turn a profit. I want, That's like, my concern. Of it, it, like, it's got an online store, so hopefully it Oh, it does. I didn't even see that. I didn't notice that. Well, that's yes. kind of what we were talking oh, about before. Yeah. Yep. How we were saying that you know that center wasn't necessarily financially solvent until Worlds, which is kind of a really smart idea where they split Worlds up into two pieces because you just double dip on those two things. But mm-hmm. if you don't have an event like that that helps make the store financially solvent, I'm curious to see how long they can keep it up. Well, and the, the post office is right across the road, just so. There's no reason why yeah. they can't make it an actual decent online store kind of thing. So we'll see. I don't know. Hopefully it does yeah. well. I, 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 I want him to. Wish him the best of luck because once we can, we still intend on coming down. Yes. Yep. Coming for you. Coming there. No, this is, I think that this is a great idea. You know, it's if you have the money and can do it, this is the best store. This is the store everybody in a sense, I'm not saying everybody, but in a sense, everybody sh- should have tried to emulate to begin with. You know, yeah. the, that camaraderie, yeah. you know, that, that Minnesota community is awesome when it comes yeah, to the people, the, the, you know, the people, the players and all of that, you know, it's just, it's a great community. They, they, the best part about them was that they accepted everybody coming into their territory and stealing all their prizes. 
<laughs> That's why Alex Davy would go to other regionals and just win with A Wings. <laughs> I always yeah. that one from you. <laughs> that was a store championship. He couldn't play in regionals. Oh, that's right. That's right. He had a restriction for that. I remember now. All right. So, uh, because we are under a time crunch, I feel like this topic is going to take a little bit of time. We're going to get into an email question that we got. I'd like to read it, Mike's email in its Ooh. entirety. Uh, yeah, you're you're jumping in on a trilogy. You've committed now, Chad, at minimum to the next two shows. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just so you're on the same page. So, Chris, if you will, please. It's, I'll read it all. So, hi, guys. Hope you're all keeping well in these weird COVID times. I have a question for you about ship placement during setup and wondered if you could discuss a few pointers and ideas. Essentially, I'm very bad at X-Wing. I, I, sorry, I almost read that as I'm like Ed at X-Wing, but um, <laughs> apparently it's I'm very bad at X-Wing and generally just muddle through my games. I'm slowly trying to improve and get myself to a level where I could be considered a reasonable player. I have no idea where I should be putting my ships at setup and I just generally plonk them on the board and hope for the best. I assume there are certain things I should consider, and it will be all be very dependent on the type of list I've turned up with. Could you guys give a few examples of placement ideas, depending on the type of list, aces, swarms, etc., and what you should be looking out for when making my decisions? Um, keep up the good work, Mike. Wow. Okay, Mike. This... Ed, Ed sucks too, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I do now. I used to be pretty good at this. Used to be. Okay. So there is no real easy way to answer that question without getting into a little turn zero theory. Now, originally, whenever uh, Chris shared this email with the group, my first reaction was, well, we can direct them to like Paul's old turn zero articles that he wrote for FFG. But Chris, of course, pointed out like, the, well, not only is it old, but the game has changed. The obstacles yeah. themselves changed over the course of the game so i don't think that it's a bad idea and this is a fantastic this is gonna like i said trilogy of shows for this one um to revisit that turn zero stuff these are a lot of so what we mean just to make sure we're clear on, the, on this when we're talking turn zero we're talking about all of the decisions that you make everything from list construction building and upgrades to what obstacles you bring and how you set up the game before the very first turn happens so when we're referring mm -hmm. to turn zero, that's what we're talking about. So the first side of this topic is going to be what obstacles are you bringing and yeah. why? Because it's not just a matter of I'm going to reach into my box. I'm going to grab this rock, that rock and that one. I'm just going to toss them on the table. You can do that. Some people like Chad just literally and I've seen him do it. Just throw them on the table wherever they, wherever they fall, they land. But they're and they always were the proper distance away. And they were. It's pretty actually amazing to see, to see it in person, honestly. Um, but there is a lot of theory and strategy behind not only what obstacles you take, what reasons you're taking those obstacles, and um, the placement of those. Now, we're going to try to play this off on the quote-unquote competitive side. And only reason I'm mentioning it is because... When you're building a list to go into any type of event, whether it be a store championship, league game, something like that, usually they expect whatever part of your list construction now are your obstacles. So you need to make this decision before you come to the game on which obstacles you're bringing. So, Chris, we have a bunch of different obstacles. Yeah, so what I thought we could do is obviously go through the three different types of obstacles now and then talk about different lists and how they might synergize and why. Um, because it's trying to talk about them in isolation is difficult, but equally trying to give advice on how to place a list without considering obstacles 
is really hard as well. Right. So I think the hope was to get as far as um, making your list and picking your obstacles on this show and then do placements of obstacles and ships on the next one. Well, don't forget counterplacement. Placement yeah. and counterplacement. Yep, there's a, there's a lot to that. There, there's a yeah. game within a game just to lay your obstacles. And then we had a rough plan, which we might try and do if we can find the time to all line up together. But it was to actually do some placements and then like first three rounds of maneuvers kind of thing after right. it's played out and then reset and do that a couple of times. Yeah, for that one, it's clearly a visual and not an audio thing. So the plan for that particular show is to do um, a YouTube cha- uh, video on that one because we can describe it all we want in audio form. It's not going to make sense until you physically see it. So it's easier if we just hop on yeah. Vassal and literally start putting obstacles and explaining why they're going in the positions they are what lanes they're opening up, that kind of thing. So that, so Mike, this is what you've, this is what you've done for us. You have given us so much to talk about. All right. So Chris, three different types so, of obstacles. So page 14 of a rules reference guide is where you describe the obstacles. Uh, it does roll over onto page 15, but um, we've got obstacles are hazards that can disrupt and damage ships and can suffer effects by moving through overlapping or whilst being at range zero of them. So you have, Asteroids, debris clouds, and gas clouds, or asteroids, debris clouds, and gas clouds, depending <laughs> on where you are from. So when you move through them, asteroids, you roll an attack dice. On a hit result, you suffer a hit. On a crit result, you suffer a crit. And then you skip your perform action step. For debris clouds, you, um, during the check difficulty step, you gain a stress token. And you roll an attack die, and on a crit, you suffer a crit. Gas clouds, uh, after executing a maneuver, you roll one die. On a focus result or a hit result, you gain a strain token, and then you skip perform action step. And then um, there is... Isn't there a bonus roll if you're behind, if you're firing through a gas cloud? Yep, so that is under the obstructed part of the rules. We'll oh, get, in, that, get in there. This oh, is a oh, oh, you're, part. You're um, right. Jump I'm jumping ahead. I oh, apologize. It's moving through. If you move through them during something that's not your maneuver, so being tracked or beamed or whatever, obviously you still roll a dice, but you don't suffer. You don't skip your next action step because you would have already had one kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the only obstacle that affects you at range zero is the asteroid. And while you're at range zero of an asteroid, you can't perform attacks. Then if you're, you're obstructed, uh, you add an extra die. So if any of the attacks go through the asteroid, debris cloud, or gas cloud, you roll an extra defense die. If it's a gas cloud, you can change one blank result to an evade result. So a bunch of words there. Uh, Basically, rocks are a standard thing that most people assume when you're talking about obstacles now. And like we call them rocks. You're placing your rocks. Because that's what the initial first edition game came with and then other stuff was added down the line. And that's like, rocks are bad. There's a better than average chance of them damaging you. You can't shoot if you land on them, which can really hamper your offensive output. Uh, you have to skip your perform action step. The opposite end of that would be the gas clouds are like the least impactful. 
as you gain a strain, but you might not even be being attacked. It doesn't stop you from doing any maneuvers. You can still do a red maneuver a turn after with a strain token. It's not doesn't stop you from doing that, and it can actually help your defense. So uh, if you fly through one to get it to block to obstruct a shot. You gain a strain, but then you're going to be adding the dice anyway and can convert a blank to an evade. So you, it's probably a net positive to stopping in front of it. But. Or you can, you're can you putting out possibilities for your opponent to gain additional evade dice. That's the one that always... That's why that double-edged sword with the gas clouds for me is, is like if I'm putting those down, anybody can use those. Yeah. Yep. So what I thought we could go through first is like not necessarily hitting every type of ship and every chassis and every card which interacts with them. But just like pick out a few that stand out in your mind. Like I think the obvious choice would be something like Trickshot. It's been in the game since it was re like since second edition came out. Um it's been creeping up in points because it interacts so well with certain pilots. But Trickshot, if your shot's obstructed, you get to roll an extra attack die. So if you're going to tra- take trick shot, you probably want to take big obstacles to give you more chance of the attack being obstructed. So, you know, those those are we, kind of are we strictly Are we strictly going with, like, card interactions at the moment? Um, whatever you think of, like, interactions and stuff well, like that. Well, because I was thinking about uh, the droid ships that can actually just land on obstacles, for example. Like, there's... Yeah, so the-, the landing struts where you land on um, asteroids and debris. I'm, I'm going to double check that to make sure I didn't just fly. <laughs> I was going to say, new asteroids, because I, I think it's just obstacle. No, you can't. I know for a fact you can't land on, on a gas, gas cloud. Rides. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Configuration, grappling struts, an asteroid or debris cloud. Yeah, you can okay. land on debris. So it, it, it flat out spells it out. Yep. Um, that's really good. So this is a really strange interaction that lots of cards have. Um, I I tend to think of it in terms of the Kira interaction because she was the first card in second edition where it became really prevalent of doing something like Han Solo with Kira where you get to ignore the obstacle for its negatives, but still it's still there for all the positives. So, for example, with grappling struts, it says uh, when you're at range zero, you ignore obstacles at range zero. So that means when you shoot off the obstacle, your shot is not obstructed. When people shoot at you, their shot is still obstructed. Right. right. Um, Kira has the same thing. If you've got an obstacle locked, you can ignore it. Um, There was an interesting one for one of the lists that I made with the Mining Guild tie and the Mag Sable closure. Um, The Mining Guild tie lets you fly through asteroids. And if you fly through an obstacle with the EPT, it lets you apply a strain to someone. So you ignore it while you fly through, but you did still fly through it. You just ignore the effects of flying through it. It's convoluted and a bit weird, but generally those kind of interactions are real to the benefit of the cards working to the most beneficial reading of them for the player who has them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking something along the lines of like Dash Rendar 2, for example, which is to grow some period. Um, and you can use that's Dash is like X Wing on easy mode because you just take the biggest, fattest obstacles that you can find because it doesn't matter to you at all. You just literally fly right through them. Uh, Dash, oh, I think Dash. The Clides, wasn't it? Was the, uh, the old one because it was literally just an empty board. 
I mean, so, Dash ignores them during the the movement. I thought he, yeah, he still I, shoot. Uh, no, he, he, it was only during movement. Yeah, yeah. Movement. So that's fair. That is a fair distinction. Yeah. So so let's let's. I think a good idea is because this this sounds like he's a new player or a newer player. Right. So when I look at X Wing from a new player's perspective, because in a lot of ways X Wing to me is a new game um, because I haven't played it a lot in this version. But one of the things, so I have a philosophy when I play, and it's keep it simple. That's my philosophy. So when I start out in any new game, I try to keep it simple. I don't try to take the most complicated list in the game or the best list or the list that's winning all the tournaments. I try to look at the game from a logistic standpoint. So the, the there is a difference between 1.0 and 2.0 for sure. And that you have a new base size, which is the medium base, which does change some things around with some of the ships you're flying. But if you're just learning and you're learning how to fly, let's just say you start out with two large base ships on the board. You probably don't want three large obstacles to go with it. Right. It's probably yeah. a, a good good way to look at it as a start. If you're going with you know a bunch of small base ships, you can actually go with the large obstacles if you choose to, especially. If you know that the, if you're going to go play tournaments or just play against friends and you want to have a little bit of a challenge in there, go with larger base. If you know a lot of your friends are flying larger base ships or tournaments are flying larger base ships, that's what the meta is. I would, so add, a, I would add a caveat to that with like if you're flying a swarm, if you're in, by my definition to make sure we're on the same page, my definition of a swarm is anything that is over five ships. So if you're flying a six, seven, or eight ship build, I would go with smaller rocks and smaller so, obstacles. That's where we get to come back to now because there's different types of obstacles. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. One of the really strong things people were doing with the Inferno Squadron TIE Swarm, um, and this predates the strain on gas clouds, so it's not quite as no consequences. But if you're flying a swarm, you just take gas clouds. Because right. you fly through them, it doesn't stress you, so you can still do all of the same moves. Um, you still get to attack if you land on it. So mm-hmm. I, you literally just ignore them. And yeah, you might end up, one of your ships might be shooting through um, the asteroid, giving them an extra die and all that kind of stuff. But it's not the same as landing on a rock, potentially damaging one of your own ships, which gets it closer to half points, not being able to shoot with it at all, all of that kind of thing. So if you... If you're flying a swarm, taking the three smallest gas clouds is like 100%. Just do that. Don't, don't right. even worry about it. But um, I think I mentioned this on the podcast a while ago now about how I was making my seven lists and keeping them in the box kind of thing. And I made up baggies of combinations of things that I wanted to do. And um, the key that I think you should start off with is that there should never really be a reason to take not three of the same type. There should the, never be a reason to not ne- to take... Right, so, so if you have a good enough reason sorry, to take... Sorry, that just bounced off my head. So, <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't think of a word in it. So, <laughs> you, I cannot think of a valid reason to take a gas cloud, a, a debris cloud, and an asteroid. Take right. three of the same, and you can go yeah. down that route to take... Don't take... A small, medium, or large asteroid. Either take the three biggest or the three smallest. Right. Whatever your whatever your validation reason for, I'm going to take three large rocks because I'm flying an aces list and I want them to hide behind and I want to make it difficult for people to follow me. 
take three large rocks. Don't break it up in between the, in between the others. Or conversely, if you're like Chris said, that if you're going to be flying a swarm and you want three gas clouds, you, know, you want the gas clouds to be able to fly through so they're not part of the, the part of the equation for flying. Just take three of them because it increase because you're only responsible for half of those obstacles. Your opponent is bringing the other half to the table. So you kind of want to make sure that at least half of what you're putting out there follows you with your game plan. Yeah. Uh, the only yeah. thing that might, and that, like, this is so, I don't really like saying it because I feel like it's just making the argument for the sake of saying, oh, maybe it's okay, you know, <laughs> if you choose to. But like, I believe the largest combination of shapes you can get isn't three of the same thing. So if you're using seismics and just want to have the biggest area to choose from to damage, then you might want to take the three biggest, no matter what they are. But I still believe that that is the wrong choice because of just the consistency of knowing what all of the asteroids do and how you want to interact with them. And mm. I'm going to use the word asteroid interchangeably with obstacle because I'm a moron. Just, well, just the reason is because we're old, because for the longest, longest time, yeah, the only thing that was in the game were eight asteroids. years, eight years, yeah. going on eight years. Yeah, it was asteroids and that was it. Actually, they didn't... going on nine, 2012. Yeah, going yeah, on nine they, years. They did not bring uh, debris clouds into the game until late, late first edition. Wave five, wasn't it? Outrider and Decimator. Yeah, it was wave yeah. five. Was it wait? Was it wave five? Wow! It's either yeah. it wasn't four. It had to be five because there was the wave that had the two big ships, and that was it. And yeah, then, that's what he, that's what he's talking about. The next wave, yeah. then the next scumming. wave brought scum in. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was um, wave five. Yeah. Can I, so, one more thing? Can I throw one more thing in though? Yeah. No, of course, absolutely. Open yeah. discussion. Another thing. Yeah. Another thing you always want to think about is your dial. So. You don't want to mismatch what you're putting on the field with what you're putting on the field. So as Chris said, if you're playing the three largest obstacles, asteroids, as Chris would say, <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to pay attention to you want to pay attention to how your dial interacts with those two. You know, if you get close, can you turn away quick enough? Are you going to force yourself to run over them? Do you play like me, like an idiot sometimes, and just decide, ah, hell, I'm just going to run over the asteroid anyway, you know? Always remember that there's more than just, when you're when you're starting out as a player, there's more than just asteroids and ships. There's the dials of the ships. And then as we get into this further, and Chris has already talked about some pilot skills and other cards that can affect this. But the basic of it, starting out, and I will. this is kind of where I will always go back to is the basics is that you want to make sure that what you're putting on the field doesn't impede what you're trying to do. You know, we all remember a little mustachio rock, right? That was my favorite rock. (laughs) Everybody's favorite rock until you ended up landing on that rock because you thought you could make the maneuver and you couldn't. Or it gets, like, you get one of these really decorative mats and it gets lost in there. And then the next thing you know, like, ah, yeah, Yeah, I've gotten bit by that multiple times. So so just keep that in mind, too, is the dials of the ships that you're taking, the maneuverability matters with the, with the obstacles you're putting on the on the field. That, that to me, is an extreme. That's what I forget a lot today when the little bit I've played in second edition so far is I think I'm going to be first edition savvy. And then I realize, oh, shoot, I'm playing <laughs> second edition, not first edition. Then a medium base ship is different than when it was a large base ship. 
you know, so yeah. your placement and everything else does matter. So what I just threw, the, threw that in there. That's okay, because I want to toss in a, a side thought on this too. One of the other things you might want to keep in mind as well, obviously right now up until this point of this conversation, we've mostly been talking about matching your obstacles with your list. All very sound advice. Absolutely stuff that you should absolutely consider. The other side of that is what is being played at that time frame. So I'm not saying that you have to be necessarily on the meta hunt and keeping track of everything all over the top lists. But if, for example, a swarm list is what is currently you're seeing a lot of, like you're going to your game store and you're looking at the tables around the table and like you've got five, six, seven, eight guys that are all running five, six, seven, like shift up what you're bringing with your thing. Because what those swarms don't want to see are those three big obstacles sitting on there. They want to be able to maneuver in. So there is some counterplay to that as well. Depends on what's popular. Because if it is vulture swarms that are being played, don't take asteroids. Then place one of those out of the way on your side of the table. Oh, yeah, we're we're going to get to that, yeah. Yeah. what I wanted to do before we get too deep is tell people where you can buy all the obstacles, though. Yes, because they finally, finally took my advice and said, hey, you don't need to buy a starter oh. set anymore. Yeah, they, they took Ed's advice. So <laughs> I've been preaching that line for years. Ever since Scum came out and Scum were forced to buy the uh, starter set that had uh, Imperial and uh, Rebel in it, and they didn't. Ha- they had to buy that just because they needed all of the stuff in there and none of the ships. I've been preaching that for years. <laughs> I, I know, but I just find it funny that you think it, they they listened to you specifically, and that's why they, they did that. Oh yeah, uh, of course they did. Yeah, hey, Chad, Chad, <laughs> if you talk to some people in Omaha, they'll tell you that blocking came from Omaha. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying. Like Ed, Ed thinks it's all him. He's uh, the reason I, why certain old the cards person, were made. And I was the first person to count to eleven. The proof is on the FFG website. That's right. Uh, I wrote the article on the FFG website about it, so it must have all been me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going I just, like just so random lack of focus tangent. I was going through my Dropbox um, yesterday just to because I need to clear it out. Um, and I, so I can stop getting those emails that it's full. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, just going back. I've deleted <laughs> your, the ad folder. It's fine. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> And I found the picture I took of the check that FFG sent me for writing the articles, which is me being a published author. I was like, oh, that. I, I remember. I remember those. Yeah, Bell of Our Souls never paid us anything. No, no. I, that's, it doesn't count for me. Until I got paid to write an article, I didn't count it. I, I agree 100%. FFG paid me actual money. I was you're, so you're not, a, not a professional until you get paid to do what you're doing. Until then, you're an amateur. So, um, where the, can we buy the original obstacles that we would be used to? Would be red corset, boy corset, outrider, decimator. Yes, that was where you would buy the full collection of first edition obstacles. Yeah. Now, the second edition corset split the asteroids and debris clouds into it. So you get three asteroids and three debris clouds in the corset. Then you get three gas clouds in either the Servants of Strife CIS Separatist box or the Guardians of the Republic um, yeah, Grand Army of Republic box 
gives you both of those have the same gas codes in them, so it doesn't matter which one you buy. Then the other three gas codes, other three debris codes, and other nine asteroids are all in the Never Tell Me the Odds obstacle pack. Which, if you've seen any of the shows where we've just played random games, this is the pack we use for all of the environment cards. So I recommend it as a purchase. It's just really good fun, especially for our listener base. Uh, It's not necessarily competitive focused. Oh, God, no. It's a ton of fun, though. Yeah. Well, where do you find that? Because I'm looking at the FFG website. Neutral expansions. Yeah, neutral expansions. Neutral expansions. That's a new one. Yep, you get nine. I I never paid that one before. You can email orders at sentrybox.com and tell them Chris sent you. Lack of focus sent you, and we'll work on our sponsorship deals. You get nine (laughs) asteroids, three debris frills, three clouds, uh, and then you start getting some of the other stuff from the missions. Uh, One loose cargo, one spare parts. Those are actually important. Um, Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's it's important because... If you are starting up a new community or aren't able to do, like, I literally have a box of asteroids here. This is only asteroids in this box. I have box I have an embarrassing of, number of rocks. Uh, a bag of three gas. I, I just, I have them coming out of my ears kind of thing. Um, but So, so really quick, that, really quick, re- repeat that again, just... For those like me that are old and so don't to have, have a clue. the full collection of um, asteroids, gas clouds, and uh, debris clouds, you have to buy a core set, the second edition. Never tell me the odds obstacle pack, and one of the two, either the uh, Republic or Separatist squadron box. Okay. The uh, let me double check because the new squadron boxes might have them. Is it? I thought he, didn't he just do an I, unboxing for this? Didn't he just say that he opened all of his stuff? And, I know that's what I just said. Like, di- di- didn't he just no, they, open it? They have more um, payload options in them. They don't have it. And so yeah, the only place to get the original three gas loads is in one of the separatist or republic packs at the moment. So is that the Guardians of the Republic squadron pack? Yeah, Guardians of the Republic or Servants of Strife. Because I I'm looking at it right now for the. Let's see. So I'm looking yeah. at the Guardians of the Republic, and I don't see them. Guardians of the Republic Squadron Pack, and do 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 do. do. Uh, they they're definitely in there. You can trust me on that one. I believe you. I'm just saying it because they're not listed. Not listed <laughs> as contents. That's weird. weird. <laughs> I'm gonna look yeah. at a separatist one. That is interesting. They do not have. They're not listed on the contents. Yeah, they're not listed in the separatist one either. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they are different shapes to the ones that you get in the uh, Never Tell Me the Odds pack. Now, um, if you want to talk about just for fun and you want to get more obstacles, go out and get yourself some epic ships because each of the epic ships came with uh, their own epic-sized uh, obstacles for that specific game. Although the 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 pack itself may come with it, the actual. Uh, epic um, I don't know if they do anymore. I, I honestly couldn't comment. I know that you used to be able to deploy an epic ship as your three obstacles, right? But they also came. They also came with their own epic size. Like they were four to five inches long. Um, yeah, obstacle. but you're not going to use those on a regular game, though. No, they were, they were epic only. Yeah, I'm just saying if you're going to get your obstacle game on, get them all. 
They're like Pokemon. Gotta go get them all. OCD hell. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is hell sometimes. Are you? Are you? What are you talking about? Just buying all the ships, like ten of each, like somebody, someone no, no. who's in our four picture thing here. No, no, no. no, no. Uh, I definitely, I, I've managed to thin out my collection quite a lot. I, I have. Uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be thinning my collection out and sending it to the Sentry Box for Sentry Box. It's good. I know, I know. I, um, I'm waiting for that project to start, and when that yeah, project starts, you're getting all of it. Um, and so, tears. They'll be a little moist because there'll be tears from stuff that I'm letting go. Just on the same page. So I was also going to throw in a stack of autograph photos to start handing out to people. Well, because <laughs> it was my we could do. Uh, Choose obstacles. So, if you go to Yasby 2.0, and for those who don't know what that is, um, yet another squad builder 2.0. Um, the URL is rayfos.github.io. But I just just type in Yasb 2.0 into Google. It'll come up. Yeah, it'll come up. Google it. Right. <laughs> Let me Google Obviously, that for you. Other search engines are available, but if you use them at this point, you're probably using the internet wrong. <laughs> what I, yeah. my Alta Vista searches are not good. No, no, Wait, isn't you Yahoo so Steve's all you like. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, or you so, could download Metacrawler, right, Ed? <laughs> the is that even still a thing? Now I need to know. <laughs> the Continue to keep pretending I'm not here. I'm just going to ignore you and push on because you have the one on the hard stop. Metacrawler site's still up. <laughs> so um, these are labeled under the old names. So you've got Core Asteroid 0 to 5, and then you've got YT2400 Debris 0 to 2, VT49 uh, Decimator 0 to 2, and Force Awakens Asteroids. Then you've got Gas Clouds 1 to 6. All you need is Force Awakens 0. That's the great mustachio. So what I thought we could do is go through, and it's hard because they don't have the scale of them, but I believe I can probably find them for you. But I thought we'd make up the the three small ones, the three big. Like, so if you were going to build your packs of, I want small rocks, so these are the three I'm going to take. I take big rocks, these are the three I'm going to take. Um, I want debris, so that kind of thing. So... Personally, for the small rocks, I do indeed do Force Awakens Zero. Yep. I am a fan of Force Awakens number two. Yeah, that's a good small one. And, and then there's uh, one from the core set that's pretty good. I think it's four. I think it's four as well. Yeah, or, that's the other. Or number one. One and zero. So, but basically, you get in the smallest rocks you can and throw them in a little baggie. And basically, if you make up the. Like I said, make up a bag of three three obstacles and just use that and have that as your default. And then if you find that it's not going well, try a different baggy. But um, the the biggest rocks are, I believe, um, Core number five, Force Awakens number five, and Force Awakens number four is fairly big, but I like Force Awakens number one for that weird. Yeah, uh, the horseshoe one. So you you have to be listening along and going clicking on them. <laughs> oh, this is just like the worst ever. But for those who are driving, you know, don't don't click on them while you're driving. Yeah, please don't do that. 
Gas points. I was just taking the three out of a squadron box because that's what I was all I had when I made my baggy. I haven't changed it yet. And but those are I, four, four, five, and six, right? Um, gas codes one, two, and three. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, the new Still ones up. are four, five, and six. Um, I could yeah. see a case for varying it again by size and stuff, but I don't really think it's that matters that much to the conversation. Once you have chosen gas codes, you're kind of weaning into them not really mattering as much. So the ones you pick aren't as relevant. It's kind and, of the same with debris. I yeah, would I was only just pick, the same. If I'm going to pick debris, I'm going to pick the largest debris that I can. Um, I like debris number one, which is the broken up tire bomber, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, debris, um, debris one number two. is the wing. Um, VT-49 debris one is the broken up B wing, I think. And then um, YT-2400 number uh, zero, which is a normal TIE fighter, yeah. is what I would generally take. Because I think those have a big... I, big I love lots of ours. I, I love that one because it can really screw a lot of different tactical choices once they're in that area, depending upon how you play that thing. Because if you play it, in my opinion, like on an edge with that tip facing out... It can take a lot of strategy away from people trying to come back in to the middle, things like that. Yeah. Just because of that weird angle, that little, the nub out on it can screw them over. Uh, But that would be my advice is make your four packs of different obstacles and then you just vary them by list. Um, The last thing to touch on is like things that would push you towards choosing one of those packs over the other when list building. So we're not talking about like deployment yet. Like something obvious, I think, is like if you're playing Scum and you're going to run Mining Guild Ties and Outer Rim Pioneers, you probably want Asteroids because they interact with Asteroids. Right. Um, well, that's pretty simple. You know, it doesn't take a genius to work that out. Landing struts for them, the, the droids, you obviously want either um, debris or Asteroids. The ones that aren't quite as obvious would be something like, if you're running Aether Sprites, then you want to do something like Gas Clouds because you don't stress yourself so that you can boost off them with the Aether Sprite ability because that's before you perform action step. Hmm, I didn't think about that. That's good. That's true. So you, you can land on it with your move, and as long as the template's not overlapping it, you can boost off it or barrel roll off it as part of the Aether Sprite's ability. Um, something like uh, Darth Vader with Afterburners in the uh, TIE Advanced. You can trigger the Afterburners to get off the obstacle, and then you can do your barrel, um, barrel roll after that or any other actions because of Vader's ability. So as long as you like putting Vader onto a debris cloud shuts that down because you become stressed. Right. So having those kind of things in your mind of like what obstacles certain ships really need to avoid compared to ones where it's like, you know what, I don't even care. Like fly, like fly Invader over an asteroid to get a range one shot on someone like from the flank is probably going to be okay. Even if you roll <laughs> that hit and then you boost in barrel roll out of their arc and just chain all of his force into target lock focus 
like, yeah, you might have lost a shield to do it and don't get your normal action, but you've still just done four actions. It's okay, I promise. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So we've talked a lot about, like, and again, I've already given my two cents on if, and again, coming from a fairly experienced Swarm player, um, we've already talked about if you're going to go Swarms, you want to go Smaller or Gas Clouds if you're going to go with that round. If you're going with an Aces list, you might want to consider going with bigger ones or Gas Clouds to give you the additional boost on. Gas Cloud seems to be, like, the, the default. Um, what if I'm running... I go the other way. My default is three small rocks. Yeah, I agree. I, I, uh, I completely agree with that statement. And I I believe that was Paul Heaver advice that I finally... Like, Paul's... If it was in a Discord conversation a while, like a long time ago now, but Paul said something along the lines of, if you can't tell me why you're not taking three small rocks, you should be taking three small rocks. I have my reasons. Yeah, right. Well, sure. That, that's well, fine. Well, like, having reasons is, is fine, but... Yeah, everyone should need a default. Yeah, you haven't really chimed in a bitch on this one, Chad. Like you, you obviously, like you, you don't believe that taking three small rocks is the right answer. Why? Why? Why for you? Do you have a different answer? Because obviously, it's all based on playstyle and experience. So yeah, that's that's the thing with me. That's why I really haven't said too much. I can practically fly ships with my eyes closed, so I like to take the three biggest rocks because I know I can get around them and everything and. Maybe the person I'm going up against might not be as experienced as me and have trouble with them. So that's why I always go with like the bigger rocks just to, you know, make it a little bit more difficult for my opponent, knowing that I can handle it. Can they? And I think that's a, that's actually a really good point. Like, would would you all agree that of all of the choices we have, we have what, 20 choices, <laughs> I feel like, of all these obstacles, the the three that you would least like to see hit the table whenever your opponent comes to the table are those three largest rocks. Because I agree with Chad in the fact that if I see that, that means that I need to fly tighter. Generally, I would rather see three big rocks than three debris. Because if someone's taking debris, there's normally a good reason for it. And I don't want it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about... I, I don't care about hitting any of the obstacles because same reason Chad said. But if you put three debris down, there's probably a reason. And being stressed can really mess some stuff up. Yes, it definitely ruins days. Not not shooting. Yeah. How was that ship going to get a shot anyway? It can sometimes not be as big of a deal. But having to figure out how you're going to clear the stress from, from messing can be more problematic sometimes. But that, I mean, I get what you're saying, the three big rocks. But I don't know. I'm fine generally with that. I mean, yeah, now, I mean, a lot of, like, you know, seasoned players and all that kind of stuff, they don't have the issue anymore with, oh, you put the three big rocks out, and now I've got to, you know, try and fly better and, you know, strategize more while the game's going on. But, you know. I don't know I mean, if I necessarily agree that they're a non-factor, because, like, genuinely, that's it's odd that um, Sean had mentioned this earlier. Genuinely, that's where blocking comes in. Like some blocking strategies are specifically to block people and have them land on an obstacle. And if I'm yeah. going to have someone land specifically on an obstacle, I'd rather them land on a rock. True. Because it takes the action away, it takes the shooting away, and I've got a better than 50% chance that they're going to do some damage. It's free, yeah. da- it's free damage in the... Oh, it's not called the movement phase. It's called the... It's not the planning phase. It's the... 
activation phase. Activation phase. Thank yeah. you. It's free damage in the activation phase that didn't involve a dice roll on your part. Right. I don't know. Nothing more triggering than taking a damage on a gas cloud. <laughs> that's true. This is true. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, that's just that's just me. I mean, I, I take it because, like I said, you know, hopefully my opponent doesn't fly as well as I do. I mean, not too many people do. <laughs> um, but I haven't played in a little while, so I don't know. Maybe people have gotten better who've been playing for quite some time. I don't know. But... Can't wait till we start kicking the dust off and getting actual games on actual table. I want to see how. I want to see if that edge is still sharp or if if I can catch Chad landing on a rock. Admittedly, it has been a really, really long time since I've seen Chad land on a rock that wasn't intentional. Yeah. I have seen you do it, but you made the choice to go for the rock as opposed to getting shot off the table. Yep. Yeah, I've I've done that where I wanted the cover from the rock, and the only way to do that was to like maybe go like a one forward so that I'm just on it, but the, there's enough rock in between me and you to give me the cover. Yep, I have seen that, and there that is some of the other counter strategy to that. Again, like is the it's half the reason why people are taking the gas cards is because I'm going to be. I'm going to be getting the advantage of getting the extra of a dice potentially, but so is my opponent. If I take this large rock, that's the reason why, like for me, whenever I fly aces and I consider an aces list, like three pilots, those are like your three, usually high initiative um, pilots. I want to duck in behind those to give me the extra. And that if someone's chasing me, they've got to, they've got to contend with not only me, but they've also got to contend with the rock as well that they're trying to get out of. So for me, whenever I fly three aces, I'm taking those three large rocks for multiple reasons, other than the fact that they gum up all the works in the middle of the field, if you're lucky enough to do it. But then again, it just, you get places you can hide. It adds yeah. places to add, that you can hide on the table. That's just going to give you an additional, it's going to give you an additional evade dice automatically. There's no role for it. And it's going to give you that extra oomph to, to potentially put damage on them when you block them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I think not necessarily having the same default as one of us tells you to. Uh, if your default is two big rocks and a big debris for whatever reason, but I think understanding what amount of space they take up, why you're taking them, what they bring to a table, and what they allow you to do. And I, we're going to get more into that next week when we start looking at synergizing a list w- with what you're synergizing placing the rocks with the list that you've got Mm -hmm. because yeah Yeah. um this is more like making sure people think about which rocks they're going to take when they're building the list Uh, the the big ones are are you taking seismics are you taking any bombs at all are you taking something like um the cargo shoots yeah, that, I, I was yeah. wondering we were going to get onto that, where we actually add more obstacles to the game. If you want to take rigged cargo, take big obstacles, so you just yeah. get the most out of it. Doing seismics, again, take big stuff. Um, I think, and that's why I say I don't like seeing debris, because the debris is the one that has the most, the smallest niche, like, Everyone can pretty much ignore flying over um, a gas cloud. Most people tr- want to try and avoid the rocks. So sneaky buggers who get you with the uh, the gas uh, with the debris clouds. Yep. because oh. there's yeah. a plan there. But um, yeah. things you want to think about is 
does your opponent have tractor beams? Right. Can your opponent add stress? Uh, so when when you see your opponent's obstacles, those are things you need to consider as well. And if you if you're taking tractor beams, that's a time where you might consider something like uh, debris because I can throw you onto it, and not many ships ignore being on debris, whereas in some ignore being on rocks. Yep. So, yeah. I don't know. There's lots and lots of interesting nuance to a discussion which is why I thought we'd break it up into a few different parts to try and answer it. Uh, anyone got any no. final thoughts? No, I think we covered all of the major ones. Like, you know, I, I do like, even though it was probably from a while ago, I still like Paul's advice. Like, unless you uh, can give a good reason for it, starting off with those three small rocks, especially when you're starting off the game, is probably better. They're easier to move around, uh, for starters. Yeah. And... Keeping in mind, you're not the one going to be placing those all the time. Your opponent's going to be placing them. So whatever you're bringing to the table is not only a problem for your opponent, it's also going to be a problem for you. And unless you know how you're going to handle that, you want to try to have the most minimal, you want to have the most positive impact on you and the most minimal or positive impact on you and minimal uh, negatives against you when you have those go downs. Because I can't tell you the number of times that Chad goes, literally, this is his move. If you ever play Chad in person, this is his move. He looks at your obstacles and grabs one of yours and puts them somewhere where you don't want it to be. That's yep. That is his turn zero, turn one, right there. That's that is what, my strategy. That's what we'll get on to next time. And we can touch it now if you want to, but basically, if you know what your obstacles do and why you brought them, identifying what your opponent's obstacles do and trying to stop from doing it is basically the first part of, of getting that advantage in turn zero. Well, I think that's a good teaser for but the next one. <laughs> what I wanted to yeah. touch on just for practice and homework for people is is just Ooh, homework. literally do what Chad's saying, just throw them down and just get used to how your ships move around them. So if you're doing something like hand solo with trick shot, you want to be within range one of rocks. You want to be there all the time. So figure out wh- what distance you can be from a rock to be able to do a hard, a hard to around it and never hit it. Uh, um, what distance you need to have the rock from that rock for it to not be too close. And like, if you're playing a large base, doing a one hard doesn't actually clear your own base. And just getting those kind of interactions down. And just mm-hmm. plotting, like, it's, it's a decent solo thing that I've not done for years, but I when X-Wing was new and exciting for me, I did used to do it. i just throw some rocks down and just pick... Just place maneuvers down and see if I can fly through. I, I totally did the same thing. Like, I intentionally set up obstacle courses. Like, again, it's been a long time since I've done it, and I probably should break it out sometime and do it again. Um, but I would just put obstacles down on there, and I'm going to take one ship, and I'm going to be doing laps, kind of like a slalom almost, like you would with um, with skiing. Like, you need to go inter- interweave your way through it, and the only pl- plotted maneuvers you can use are the ones that are on the dial for that particular ship. And I'd put a large base ship down and a small base ship, and now I need to do a medium base ship. And be able to figure out, well, the clearance required for a large base ship to get past X rock is very different than the clearance needed for a medium base or a small base 
What maneuvers can I pull off? It's a fantastic exercise. I know, I know that it sounds like it's a boring exercise, but after you've run those obstacle courses 10, 15, 20 times, it takes about an hour or so out of your time every day. Just put them down and just like, even if you put a couple of rocks down, you will begin to get used. You will be able to eyeball it is really kind of what you're trying to get at because you can then take that skill onto the table and be able to know, I know if I want to get past that rock, that's the maneuver I need to put in. Otherwise, I have to go the other way. Like legitimately, that is a, a genuinely um, a good skill to build up is that that level of eyeballing it. And it's to me, it's one of the best skills for an X-Wing player to have. And I keep going back to what was it? Worlds 20 was it was the worlds we were at, I think. With 2015. Because see, the guys already know what I'm going to talk about, too. It was the <laughs> it was the, the three straight that Paul Heaver pulls off in in worlds where he just barely misses the rock and pulls a maneuver like the announcers, Alex Davis, one of the announcers didn't think that he could pull off, but Paul knew he could do it. And the reason why Paul knew he could do it is because he's made that maneuver before he knew what he needed to dial in to avoid that rock. And that put him in such a gigantic advantage in that specific game. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Like, Oh, it's just a rock. I'll just kind of go around it. It's those little nuances that take you from a good player to a, great player is to be able to sit across the table in a high pressure situation and say, I know I can make that my opponent. I've done that to you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And how many times you're like, well, I'm not even thinking that Chad's going to make that maneuver because I don't think he can make that can can squeeze in there when they do. It shifts a game. One other little thing you can do to practice as well is nudge your ship as close as you can to the rock and then place the one hard and see if it gets out. And do it on the different obstacles so you can see, if I'm approaching this from this angle, does my turn fit? Can I break out? Because if your one hard's not going to fit, you're going to have to fly over it anyway. So you open up, like, if a one hard's not going to fit, don't do a one hard. You open up your dial back up and do any maneuver because you're going to hit it anyway. Right. So get in that. Like, oh, I'm not sure if this too hard is going to fit, if it's going to clip the rock or not. If you think it's going to clip, don't. Like, if you're 70 30 and it's going to clip, there's probably a better move that's going to clip the rock that you can do. That you'll still hit the rock, but you'll be in a better place to turn after. Right. Like, you're not going to fly through it again on the following turn. Yeah. But getting, yeah. getting that kind of the, the, the space the maneuver template takes up in front of your ship with the wiggle room from your templates to your ship bases and that kind of stuff can be interesting to see as well. Uh, the banks and the, heart, the turns, where they actually go, uh, can be eye-opening sometimes. Yeah, I think that's everything I can think of without treading too much on the, the deployment and... Yeah, without without, tri- without actually breaking out, uh, opening up Vassal and breaking that out and actually start putting rocks on the board, I would agree with you. Yeah. Plus, everyone said they were tired. Chris has had a long day. Sean's had a long day. So we can actually I make this... I was tired. Yeah, well, I've got things <laughs> i got to do, too, so... But, I told sorry. you, tell the walk. I know. Well, <laughs> so what you missed, and I'm going to leave this in the cast so someday he listens to this and hears this, what you missed is the text I got from him. Hey, two of my buddies at this party I'm at don't have a ride home. Can we take them home? Like, how do you go to a party and not know how you're getting home? So, like, oh, oh, I'm so you've opened the gate on this now. I, I, I have a question, Ed. Go for yeah, it. You won't go to a game store to play a game. Mm-hmm. 
because COVID. Gabe can go to a party. It's all outdoors. They're all wearing masks, and he... No, no one's coughing on each other. We're not down at spring break, you know. <laughs> and you're there to verify that the entire time they're wearing their masks. Well, and to... <sighs> just call it the the parenting can of worms it, yep because the, the yes it should have been a listen fucker do you know how what i pack to fucking sacrifice sitting in with your lame ass trying mm. to keep you entertained for the last year you yep. can show Sit in your room and cry about not going to his party. All right, so uh, she doesn't listen to the show. It's okay. The yes didn't come from me. The protest, the protest of the same logical arguments that you're all making were made and were <laughs> summarily overruled. Just so we're all on the same page. I'm not disagreeing because keep in mind. All right, again, feel free to cut this out because there's a lot of my personal. <laughs> I'm not gonna, by the way. So if you don't want to say it, we'll stop and show. Yeah, and well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. I'll share this offer. Needless to say, um, <laughs> we the, love you, the, really, Gabe. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming anyone. Like I kind of like. I mean, I guess if I really wanted to put my foot down, I probably could have. I just there were so many, so, only so many hills you can die on before you're just a rotting corpse. Anyway, so that's gonna do it for this one. Uh, I do appreciate everyone turning in. Uh, Chad, fantastic for you to just drop in like this. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, it was great to be here. I got home in time, and I'm like looking at my the messages on the thing because I'm like I thought they were doing a show today. I'm gonna double check, and I was a little bit late, but yeah. I got in. You would have been on time had we started at the time we were going to start if Ed wasn't going to be busy. Yeah, if it, yeah. yeah, you'd have been fine. It's all Gabe's fault. It is all Gabe's fault. So, for the <laughs> listeners, Ed messaged and was like, so there's a chance I might have to leave to go and pick Gabe up in the middle of a show. I'm like, it's about it's at a party. There's no way he's going to be ready to leave when you get there. All right, so we're just going to sit there, thumbs oh. up asses for an hour. Like uh, Craig's I, still running. There's just going to be silence for me to edit out. I said it was, I have a problem. <laughs> I'm glad you proposed the solution that I was hoping that we could propose. It's earlier in the day for you guys. For me, an eight o'clock start isn't that bad, but for you guys, it's a six o'clock start. And I don't know what your lives are like during the, you know, Monday through Friday and Saturday if six o'clock is too early in the day or not. I could have recorded this show at 10 a.m. Fine. Yeah. But if I had known then what I knew now, I would have done that because I could have pulled that off. <laughs> I've been the ta- I've been the taxi service. This is right. This is where having a six. Oh, how's it feel? This is where having a sixteen-year-old with a job and <coughs> working towards his driver's license. I'm like, God, I can't wait to August until he's actually got his own license because now it's reached the point of, oh, I've got to go to work. Oh, I've got to get picked up from work. Hey, I'm going to this. I need to get How picked up from this. Are you, are you putting on weight? Do you not need to cycle to work, maybe? <laughs> well, oh, it's it's a bit of a... You, you must have settled into having a girlfriend now. You're getting comfortable in your body. Oh, man, your metabolism is <laughs> to slow down. Oh, no. <laughs> you cycle, fatty. Well, well, that's a long trip for, for where his job is. It's a, it's a long trip. And what he's doing, he's working on a farm, so it's a lot of outdoor work. It's the only reason we agreed to actually let him go and get a job. So, anyway, <laughs> Sean, always good to talk to you, my friend. 
It's good to be here. And as the fat guy of the group, fuck bikes. <laughs> I remember before I joined the Air Force, I moved to Scotland. And whilst I was waiting for my application to be processed, which was like nine months of waiting, I got a job in a place called Kettle Produce. And they take all of the vegetables from the local farms and then chop them up. So when you get floretted uh, cauliflower, it's gone through one of these factories. And I had to cycle, like, it was about a 15-minute drive. So fuck knows how long that is, like 12 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Um, To and from work, and then stand there chopping up vegetables. And I fucking hate cycling there. Fuck. Along the along the country road, that the wagons delivering vegetables to this place fly past you at sixty. Like, yep. uh, yeah, cool, awesome. I've, I've been to that country, and I'm like, there are walls on both sides of these, and these are just barely big enough for two vehicles. How the hell are you people driving so fast on these roads? Yeah. Um, so I'm same team, John. I hate bikes. Yep. I love my bike. I like my. I like. I. I, I was on my bike this this morning or this afternoon. I did ten miles on the bike. You know, burned a thousand calories. I was pretty good on that. Is it an actual bike or a stationary bike? Elliptical. No, it's it, it's stationary, but it's connected to Bluetooth. I did my connected to the Wi-Fi. I did a class this morning. I'm trying to trim down. I'm trying to lose my COVID weight that I put back on. I've just grown a beard a little bit longer, so you can can only see like two of the chins. Yeah, I wish I could do it. Yeah, I I can't do the Chad. Nobody can do the Chad like Chad can do the Chad. But I would love I've tried the beard. I've got so much gray in my beard. It makes me feel like I'm like 60. So I just can't do it. You've got to do a Riker trim so you get the clean cheeks. That's all. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's that's the case. I I think Riker's up to about here and I couldn't do that. And then I got fed up with this bit being hairy as well. So I just growing on the bottom lip though nah that, that's coming off as well so I, I think i've had this for long as long as you guys have known me now probably i was gonna say probably yeah you've probably not seen many pictures of baby faced chris the only one i think i can tr- draw back to is a you a video that i saw of you boxing someone and i don't think you had it in that no, i was in the uh, far sense i didn't i was clean shaven yep throughout my ass career where's the patreon content for that put that video <laughs> <sighs> see the dude that he was fighting holy cow there's chris i don't mean chris is about my height around I'm five six foot so you're what i'm six foot tall i'm 183 really? centimeters really oh yeah. you're a little bit taller than i thought but i don't know like, like, the guy that the guy that you were was at least six inches taller than you and built like a brick shit house like like that was like it, it was like uh, oh what's the uh, mighty mighty Mac fighting Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out like it's like it was that big of a difference and Chris is just going at him. Chris and I are very fond fond of boxing by the way. In case you didn't know, <laughs> did you catch the Jake Paul fight by the way? Oh my god, I've not watched any boxing. Um, for a while, nothing's caught my interest. Because not even no not way. even the Tyson uh, Roy Jones Jr. fight. No, uh, I, it was morbid but, curiosity. I, I yeah, wanted to see two senior citizens fight it out. I know, I get it, but it wasn't going to be Mike. Ty- it wasn't going to be early nineties Tyson, was it? No, the last, the last boxing match I watched 
was the fight right before Buster Douglas. Ooh, so we have you to blame for that. that no, it's the one before, <laughs> not not because no, you, you didn't watch the next fight, which you didn't watch the Buster Douglas fight. Yeah, but when you when you watch Tyson before he started, you could tell. Yeah. He was starting to lose it before. That's the last fight I watched. Tyson Fury Wilder 2. I was just going to say, because uh, I know we talked about that fight. The last one that I, I was either Tyson, I'm trying to remember when, which one happened in which order chronologically. When either Tyson Fury beat uh, beat him or um, uh, Andy Ruiz won the, won the belt. Mm. That was a glorious fight. Oh, God, was that a great... I was so happy. I'm, like, texting Chris when it's happening. Like, oh, no, my God. The interweeks fight is the best. Oh, it was a glorious... If, look it up. Andy Ruiz wins the heavyweight champion. If you can see the whole fight, go for it. But even the highlights of that one, that seventh round was amazing. I was so happy for Andy Ruiz. It was such a great fight. Anyway, Chris, always good to talk to you, my friend. Always good to be here. I suppose I have my, my closing uh, stuff. So obviously you can actually email us at wackandfocuspodcast at gmail.com and ask us questions. You may get a series of shows dedicated to your question. Or we might just not check the email for ages and like, God knows. Mike, I'm uh, promising you I'm promising you a trilogy at this point. The way we talk this up, it's going to take three episodes to get through this. <laughs> Uh, I did want to point out, I've had messages back from some people saying that Patreon rewards have already landed for people. Um, I have one batch oh. still to send out, um, which does include all your guys' stuff. Your guys are in the last batch. So we should be. We should be. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, but like some of it's hit the UK. Um, I don't think uh, Shiresh in Australia has received it yet. Um, but everything should be done um I believe I should get time this week to ship the last of it. Um, and then I'm, I just need to actually crack on and do the next batch of designing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of our Patreon, you can support us on our Patreon at Lack of Focus Podcast on Patreon. You can, Good idea. Yeah, it is. It's a brilliant idea. I've heard that lots of other podcasts in the X-Wing community have seen that a decrease in their Patreon numbers, whereas in we've steadily stayed where we are because we just don't ask you about it and like, tell you to not give us any money unless you're like, really, really bored or something. Right. But, it's um, almost like our entire design... Yeah, it's almost like our entire design philosophy is like, yeah, we're just guys having fun in front of microphones, and so should you. But if yeah. you've got a couple yeah. extra bucks, cool. Yeah, if you if you don't want to spend it on a coffee or you know whatever, just send it to me. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> there, there is the Dice Hate patron as well. All of the prizes, prizes, all of the patron support goes out to all of those, no matter which one you're in. So don't feel like you've got to do both or pick and choose. It's mainly the model. One of the, the lack of focus one is per episode. The dice hit one is just monthly if you can't be bothered like figuring anything out. Um, and then you can hit us up on Facebook at Lack of Fox Podcast on Facebook. You can join the Dice Hit Discord where you get to join in on such fun games as our Neptune's Pride or our Black <laughs> the Immortals games, which we're currently playing. Ed missed out on another game because we only did a four player game and Ed didn't get signed up. So we're playing a second game of that now. <laughs> Of blight, yeah. By the time yeah. I even, by the time I even read the Discord, by the time I got to be able to read it, it was already full. Yeah, um, Greg 
myself and Alan all jumped into it after D&D on Monday, and then Patrick took the last spot, and it just fired, so... Yep. Well, uh, I think it's like three in the morning as well. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, like literally I was asleep and I'm like, oh, look at that. Oh, it's full. Yeah, <laughs> this one's nearly finished. We've nearly won this one. I, and the I'm thing just... else I'll give that game credit, it does go a lot faster than a Neptune's Pride game does. Yeah, and it's co-op as well, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Aww. Yeah, yeah, jumping on the Discord has been pretty good fun. Lots of painting going on at the moment. And if you want to see the painting, you can follow me on Instagram, see photographs of my table, my piles of shame. And get to like the post like Ed and Chad do. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I, I saw that right right beside the video of the Perseverance uh, drone uh, test flight. Yeah, oh, it you did can, fly. It did fly. You can watch me unbox Curse City like Sean. Ooh. Good. I I made a video for a YouTube channel as well. You can watch Ed go scalp that as he runs up to the game store and goes buys it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in there today, Chad. You missed that. I was in there today. I was picking up two pots of paint. And I was picking up the the new uh, Marvel Alien comic issue number two, and Sean had asked about it. And I'm like, oh, it's sitting here at the game store. And then Chris then informs me like, oh yeah, they're scalping those things for like three hundred bucks. And I'm like, oh. so yeah. if it's there tomorrow, it's not there. <laughs> and then you stop by to say hi to me because I was right across the street from that place. And yeah, no, no, you didn't. Uh, no, I didn't. I was picking up, we're getting ready to paint my daughter's room. So I was picking up paint and then I had to go home and feed kids. So I did not have a ton of time. Sorry. Are you using the Mr. Bean method? No. <laughs> so uh, the other thing you can do as well is uh, you can jump in the Discord and hang out with us whilst we play Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Martyr on occasional Saturdays. Sorry. Also my fault. Also my fault. I set up and I made an overlay for it where you can put your camera uh, in the overlay box and it matches all of the layout of the screen and everything that I was going to send you and then you screwed me out of being able to play. Me and Sean are sat there not not able to level because you can't get your life in order. I'm sorry. We came in to burn heretics and there's only you. I know. So you have to get I'm sorry. Next week, next week, uh, next week is free and clear. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be streaming that on Twitch. I set up my Twitch stream as well, so Ooh. I can stream it as well. So dice it on Twitch. You can come and subscribe. And, and if you if you can't catch it live, uh, either Chris or I will have those on our YouTube channels as well. Okay. I'm surprised how much traction I'm getting out of those. Like I'm getting way more views on the the 40k one than I am on anything else right now. Funny that. Funny how that works Soft out. Screen sell, you know. Yeah, because it's a cool game. It really yeah. is. But no, it's good fun. And um, yeah, I plan on at some point getting a regular streaming schedule going. Uh, so we'll we'll discuss that as we roll. I know Sean's keen to do the same thing. So yeah, don't uh, wait on me. Keep going. But we'll have some kind of streaming stuff going. Playing different games as well. I think. But. All right. Well, that's going to do it. I do appreciate everyone tuning in. I do appreciate that we're like nine minutes early on my hard stop time. I do appreciate that. So in the next one, we're going to continue on this fantastic conversation of trying to answer a simple email with three shows to answer how complicated that question really is. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. I can't wait to break out Vassal and actually just start moving ships on the board. It'll be a ton of fun. So anyway, thanks for tuning in to this one. And as always, guys, fly casual.
Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.